Hello and welcome to 10,000 Grains of Sand, a podcast discussing the films with director Bill Forsyth. I'm Anna Kale, I'm an arts and culture writer and I've been obsessed with the films of Bill Forsyth for some time. So this podcast series is a bit like a therapy session for me, sharing the joy with others. On this episode, I'll be discussing Housekeeping uh, from 1987, which is Bill Forsyth's fifth film and his first outside Scotland. Based on the novel by Marilyn Robinson, the film centres on two sisters growing up in Idaho during the 1950s who fall into the care of their eccentric Aunt Sylvie. And joining me on this episode to discuss housekeeping is film and TV journalist Emily Murray. Hi, Emily, how are you? Hi, Anna, I am good, thank you. Uh, thanks for inviting me into this podcast. I'm excited to talk about housekeeping. Oh, good. I'm pleased. Now, am I right in thinking you hadn't seen this film before? We, we, we've set up this conversation. Yeah, I hadn't seen it before. And uh, as I'm sure you'll learn soon, but it's actually my first Bill Forsyth uh, film as well, which I feel like as a Scot, like I was born and bred in Scotland. You know, my surname is Murray. I feel like I'm letting this side down <laughs> by not having seen this Scottish, you know, this great Scottish director's work. <laughs> Yeah, don't worry. We'll we'll soon sort that out. Um, you know, once you've seen this one, I'm sure you'll want to see all of his other films as well. So obviously, this is your introduction <laughs> to Bill Forsyth's work. Um, obviously, we'll go into a bit more depth about it and, and talk about the film. But you, what what were your first impressions, and how did you feel about this film? It was interesting because I watched it. Like, obviously, I didn't know anything about the director. I didn't know anything about the movie. I didn't like do any reading about it online. I literally, you said it was available on Amazon, so I searched on Amazon, hit download, and watched it. And it was. I felt like it took a while to get into it. At the start, it felt a bit like cheap TV movie. And you know, I think, but once it got into the flow, I really did quite enjoy it. It's not amazing I didn't think however the more I thought about it since I watched it yesterday the more it's grown on me because there's things I'm now like now that I'm absorbing my thoughts about it that I'm picking up um, especially the sort of analysis of like the way trauma is passed on from generation to generation I particularly liked the analysis of female familial dynamics but yeah it's a grower yeah, it's interesting you say that because I only saw this film relatively recently as well. Um, obviously, I'm a big fan of Bill Forsyth and I've seen, I'd seen most of his films. There were two that I hadn't seen because they just weren't available for ages and ages. And this is one of them. So housekeeping has been really hard to get hold of for such a long time. Finding that it was on Amazon, I was, I was so excited to watch it. And I only watched it, as I say, a few weeks ago. It's kind of um, been on my mind ever since. So it's interesting you say, you know, you... you you've been thinking about it and thinking about it afterwards and it kind of grew on you as you were pondering on it after watching it. And I think that's the feeling I got from it is that it just stayed with me and has stayed with me for a few weeks and I keep thinking about it um, and kind of thinking back to, you know, some of the themes and the the look of the film as well. Okay, so this was the first film that um, Bill Forsyth made for an American studio. Um, it was also um, his first adapted screenplay, and it was adapted from a book that Forsyth really loved, um, Housekeeping. He said that the film was a way of making more people um, read the novel, which is, is really interesting. You know, that that was his intention, was to get people um, interested in the, in the original text as well. The budget was um, about $6 million, which doesn't sound very much, but for, I think for him and, and his work, that's, that's quite a lot. Um, it didn't make much back at the box office. Um, and there was a lot of issues in terms of um, the funding, the studio. Um, so originally, 
uh, Diane Keaton was uh, lined up to play the lead role of Aunt Sylvie, uh, but she dropped out with six weeks to go, apparently, um, before filming began. And as a result, the studio pulled, um, the original studio pulled their, um, pulled the finances and kind of left everyone kind of stranded. And it was only because David Putnam stepped in. Again, David Putnam worked with Bill Forsyth on Local Hero um, previously. Um, he stepped in and another studio uh, got involved and I think it was Columbia Pictures who got involved and then, you know, it, things progressed and it was uh, Christine Latte who, um, you know, stepped in to play the, the lead role of Aunt Sylvie. So it was fraught with difficulties and complications even before filming began. But it was obviously a passion project for Bill Forsyth to make this film. And I think for me, you can see that love on the screen. I think, you know, I haven't read the original book, but you can kind of see, you know, what a beautiful... I think it's a beautiful film and I really, really loved it. And it's kind of, yeah, it stayed with me, I think. Yeah, as I said earlier, it's, it's stayed with me as well. Like, I thought it was okay after first watch, but now I think it's actually really quite interesting, quite good. But it's a shame in a way, like as you said earlier, it was, it was really hard to track down. And like from doing a quick Google search of it, there doesn't seem to be like much material out there about the film. And also from speaking to other like, film friends like no one had heard of this movie so it is a shame that it's kind of lost in a way which is surprising considering how well known Gregory is oh, and local hero and his other films are but I also think it's interesting about Diane Keaton because I'm not particularly a massive Diane Keaton fan and I can't see her as Sylvia I think um Christine Latte if I pronounce her name right sorry is um, brilliant as Sylvie. And I think the film doesn't actually really pick up until she's there. It's interesting because she could be your typical mad woman, but she's not extravagant in any way. She just sort of like comes like floating in, like kind of away with the fairies. And despite the fact that she's really quiet and withdrawn, she has such an impressionable presence and you always feel her there. And even when she's not on screen, you're always thinking about her too. Yeah, absolutely. I think, yeah, it's a wonderful performance. Um, like you say, really understated. And yeah, it could have been some kind of showboating kind of um, performance of, like like you say, this eccentricity of the character. It, like you say, she floats onto the screen, she kind of floats into their lives. And I think that's a really great way of describing describing it. You know, these two girls, they um, were left, but their mum killed herself you know, when they were very young and they were left in the care of their grandma and then their grandma died and then they passed into the care of some a couple of eccentric old aunties um, who really don't want to be having that responsibility of, of looking after them. Uh, you know, this is a rural community. It's, it's based in, in a, a fictional town in Idaho, but it's a small rural community, you know, kind of in the mountains. You know, they, these girls are kind of left in, in, in the care of these people they've never met and, you know, they're trying to find their way. Another person appears, you know, Aunt Sylvia appears and the, the two old Auntie Scarpa, the minute that she kind of sets foot in the house practically. This Aunt Sylvia is the sister of their mum, who they barely remember themselves. Um, and it's a love, there's a lovely scene um, the morning after she's arrived in their lives where they're in the kitchen chatting and they're asking about their mum and she, she's kind of telling them about, which I think is a really lovely, poignant little conversation, you know, about who she was and, and, and their relationship. And this Aunt Sylvie's kind of had a, a bit of mythical status, I think, until that, that, that point, um, you know. And we never really get to understand the, the full details of why she's been largely absent from, from the family's life. Yeah, I think it makes it more interesting, perhaps, that we only get snapshots of, of the life that she's led, you know, kind of away from the family. 
but it's interesting you know that kind of relationship she builds with those two young girls yeah it's interesting the, the sort of mythical status that you said there of the character because i think as you said we don't really know too much about her at the start and i feel like we don't really know too much about her by the time the end credits roll either and i like that she's sort of this mythical like person like we aren't really sure what's going on with her head where she's come from and also at the end where she's going that's actually my favorite scene from the movie is the end shot with the train tracks and all you see is these train tracks and the two figures of ruthie and sylvie you know going on into the distance so we don't know where they're going don't know what's going to happen and it feels almost like a fantasy which is interesting because i think there's so many fantastical elements to the movie it's quite whimsical but also it's really really grounded in reality as you said in this sort of rural 1950s conservative american town yeah absolutely i think yeah it's an interesting mix isn't it of yeah the kind of um you have this um enigmatic figure of, of Anne sylvie who like you say she kind of has this mythical quality but the film, you know, it's, it's a beautiful film. It, is, it, it looks gorgeous on the screen. I think it was filmed in Canada and it's, it's breathtaking scenery. And um, I think some of the scenes, are, you know, it's like a painting. You know, you kind of, you're looking at this beautiful vista and this, the, you know, this kind of, the, the, the beauty of that place really kind of comes across. But then that, obviously that is contrasted with this experience of these two young girls who are very young when their mum leaves them. Um, they grow up in in this kind of, with the absence of kind of a, a steady uh, figure. You know, they're in their kind of I guess early teens when Aunt Sylvia arrives. The emotional journey of those two girls and those two young sisters of Ruthie and Lucille, I think, is is captured so beautifully. Um, I really feel for them, you know, and their their, their development as young women, um, you know, is obviously affected by this experience of 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 a, a, a weird kind of family life and not having the attachments. But I think the film also talks really well about that feeling of family burden and attachment and the family duty. So you have these women stepping in, you know, to look after these girls because it's their family duty to do so, but feeling that burden and you feel that coming through the screen and how that must feel for those young girls, I guess, knowing that they are have having to be looked after, you know, like a family heirloom kind of thing. It's, um, yeah, I kind of really feel for, for them as, as, as young women having to experience that. Yeah, I think what you said there about the sort of generational burden, like, it's something I've been thinking about quite recently in terms of other films I've watched, like films like Hereditary and Relic, like particularly in horror, this sort of like generational trauma that's passed on in the women of a family. Like it is such an interesting theme and, you know, it sort of death overhangs this movie. Like I think the mother commits suicide and then also the grandfather dies. Uh, he He's dead, I think, because of a strange crash and... Even like when the grandma dies, like she's only referred to in the context of the grandfather's death. And the male figures are also really absent. Um, we don't know too much about the girl's father. I said the grandfather's already dead. But also Sylvie's husband, we don't really ever hear what happens to him. And I like that, how the sort of absence of med, but also the sort of looming of death, like really just overhang these two kids. Like it really does make me already, like from the moment that we see them, like really feel for them. Yeah, absolutely. They obviously expect Sylvie to leave, you know, the minute that she arrives. And, you know, because they've been um, left so many times, we we see them chase her down the street practically when she goes out for a walk. Or, we, you know, they, they track her down into town, panicking that she, she's not going to come back. Um, and, you know, that they slowly start to understand her as a person and that, you know, this is never going to be a straightforward 
relationship between them and her she, she's never going to be um a steady influence on them yet she's the most steady influence they've ever had you know she's the most consistent influence they've ever had she's kind of consistent in her inconsistency i mean she's she's very eccentric and she doesn't exactly bring um real stability to their lives i mean it's pre- pretty chaotic in that house and it gets worse you know there's this old kind of uh, rural kind of house in in, in the hills she brings even more chaos to that you know the 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 way that nature in in, in kind of implodes within it there's the the, the scene where the, the the house floods and they live amongst the flood water for ages you know they kind of it's not really <laughs> there isn't much you know kind of sorting out you know that it's a strange kind of thing that they've lived with it um because that's just the way she works you know she that the kind of the nature kind of brings itself into the house she she fills it with junk she fills it with all this crazy stuff you know she kind of uh, just lives just this, this very different existence and she never tries i don't think to conform in any way but yet you feel that she really does care about those girls in her own way yeah, yeah, totally. And I really like the sort of the way that nature goes into the house. I think there's a moment where I think the policeman picks up and like, he's like, is she growing fungus here? Like, we don't know if she is actually just on purpose, but it seems to be sort of just nature just growing within this house. Because as you said, it's not just about like nature in terms of landscape, etc. It's also about human nature and how you know, there's two different sides of society here in a way. There's sort of the ones who follow social convention and try and impose order on other people's lives. And then we also have the wanderers, you know, the Sylvie and also Ruthie then becomes a wanderer herself. Like they aren't, they're, they're driven by no purpose. I think there's a scene where Ruthie's asking you what, what means something to you? She doesn't have an answer because she like, she's not driven by a purpose. She's just a wanderer. And I, I really liked that sort of analysis of, yeah, these two different sides of society and how it's all about embracing your own nature you should celebrate freedom of expression and being who you want to be like the bad guys i mean they're not bad guys but it's you know when the church people the church women come in and then the policeman comes in and try and impose order like we don't want that to happen so i think it's really interesting how i felt about lucille's character because that contrast comes out most clearly between the two sisters in the second half of the film as lucille sort of she wants to conform to societal conventions she she's embarrassed by by her aunt falling asleep on a public bench you know so she sort of abandons her family and that did anger me but also not in the same way which I know I just like uh, contradicted myself there because I felt for her because we all sort of like at some point in our lives are sort of drawn to wanting to be quote normal no one's no no one's actually normal but you want to be accepted by society so I really feel for her that she longs to be this even though I am angered by her abandonment of her family yeah, you're right. The, the the girls, you know, their relationship um, is altered by, I think, the presence of Sylvie. You know, they have some stability with, with this uh, adult who is there to, to take care of them, but essentially they're still taking care of themselves. And you're, yeah, Lucille goes off in quite a different direction to Ruthie. Ruthie is a narrator of the piece as well, um, which is interesting. It's her voice that we, we hear um, through the film in, in a narration. Um, she has a very different experience of uh, young adulthood to Lucille, who, like you say, she she starts to conform. You know, she's good at school and she wants to get on. She wants friends. She wants a normal life. She wants to go to the local diner and sit and gossip with her friends. She wants nice clothes and hair. She doesn't want to live amongst the mess and the chaos of the house. 
you know, that they're, they're living in with, with Aunt Sylvie. Um, and she eventually leaves and is taken into the care again of another woman who steps in. It's her teacher who steps in and takes her, you know, into her home. And then the, the girls are suddenly separated. And I, that feeling for, for Ruthie to, to lose her sister in that way uh, was quite heartbreaking, actually. Yeah, I totally agree. I think the quote is from that day, I no longer had a sister. And it really is heartbreaking. I tell you what was interesting, like when I went to do some reading after, it's described as a comedy drama because I felt that it wasn't particularly very funny. Like it was quite whimsical and made me like, you know, have a light smile, but it wasn't like laugh out loud gags, but also the drama, like there are these heartbreaking moments and the mother's suicide earlier, but it's not played out in a melodramatic way. It's quite subtle and sort of rather haunting and, you know, the, it's a quiet moment when she says from that day on, I no longer had a sister. And I felt that was more emotionally impactful than, you know, it, it would have been if it was told in a sort of melodramatic way. Yeah, I'd agree. I think it's the strength of the film that it plays out. It's quite slow to, to unravel. Um, but I think, you know, when you have these moments, these these very emotional moments, I think the film benefits from, from that pacing because you, you really feel it. You feel that, um, that feeling of, of, of those girls and, and what they're going through. And, yeah, I think you're right. It's not laugh out loud funny. And, you know, it, it is a, a whimsical humour to it. And I guess there's humour in, in the way Sylvie conducts herself, the whole t- the situation, you know, the, particularly the interactions between Sylvie and other residents from the town. Like you say, the, the, the busybody church women and the, the policeman who comes to visit. But there's a real threat underneath that as well, you know, because these girls could there is a threat of them being taken away from her that's not what either of them wants it's kind of this thing of you know she doesn't want to be there but she stays she wants you know she she builds this relationship with the girls but based on on her um, I guess her rules and her way of, of of acting you don't want Ruthie to be taken away from her in the end you know the policeman coming on that night Again, it kind of you, you're feeling that that pull, you know, of Ruthie away from Sylvie, and you feel that they want to be together, and they they've created built this um, tie between themselves. You know, they 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 feel tied together, and ultimately that's what happens is they they decide to leave, and to to who knows where and to who's no, who knows what and what you know go off into the distance together. It's um, you worry for Ruthie, but equally I kind of think they'll be okay. Yeah, it's like right from the start, there's a sort of like sense of doom with the two sisters, as in they always will be doomed. And uh, it's like this sort of overhanging over them. And um, yeah, it's weird because I feel like I worry about the kids. I worry about Sylvie, but I never like, I think it's important that she never endangers them. Like sure, there's loads of tin cans and papers in the house, but you know, they're not in any danger at all, which I think was really important. So we realised that you know they belong together it's just she's just living a different way of life it's not a dangerous way of life it's just a different way of life and which is why I think it's really satisfying at the end that Rufia does have this happy ending of I mean we don't know if it is happy but I like there is a warming uh, to it like a warmth to it at the end where she goes off to into distance with Sylvie but also Lucille has her happy ending you know she has the life and the normal life that she wanted yeah, absolutely. I think yeah, we 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 think that Ruthie will be okay because we we hear her voice, you know, throughout that that film and, and narrating that piece. We 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 know she'll probably be, will be okay. I think she's uh, she benefits. I think quite greatly from the presence of Sylvie. I think she's 
obviously very different to Lucille as as a, a young girl. She she sets herself apart, I think, from from other children, maybe not having that connection with, with the other girls. Um, she sees Sylvie, I think, as someone who she can understand and aspire to be. You know, which I'm sure Sylvie never intended to be. You know, this you know figure of you know kind of inspiration, but actually, I think it gives Ruthine the uh, possibility. You know, it shows her the possibilities that you can be different, and it's okay to be different, and that you can embrace it and work with it and and be yourself. And I think that's a really important message. It's not a big messagey film. You know, I never got the impression I was being dictated to in terms of you know this is the message you're going to understand from this film. And I think maybe, you know, that's why it wasn't necessarily a big success because I think it's um, it's an unusually paced film. It's an unusually plotted film. As all Bill Forsyth films are, you know, they're, they're not... They're never going to be these big commercial successes because he plays on things that you wouldn't normally play on in terms of the, you know, a big studio film. The scope of this one, for me, it, it was amazing. You know, the, 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 the way it was shot and the way it was... Um, framed it's it's a it's beautiful on the screen and it was lovely to see his work so so large on 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 the screen local hero which i know you haven't seen but i'm hoping you might want to see after seeing housekeeping (laughs) is um similar in that sense the the beautiful vistas and and showing nature and you know the the nature around us how beautiful it can be and i think that you get that sense from housekeeping as well um, I'm really interested to read the book, which I think obviously with Bill Forsyth's intention when he made the film to encourage people to read it. I want to read that book now and I want to understand those characters a little bit more on the page. Um, so in that sense, you know, the, the film has fulfilled Bill Forsyth's purpose um, for me. Yeah, I think you're spot on, especially in terms about it's not a very edgy movie, but it does have the message. Like, I love that sort of warm message about embrace your difference, embrace your individuality, but it's not preached in any way. I think the whole movie slowly absorbs you and it sort of sinks into your soul. And it doesn't do it like on an immediate watch either. So I think I didn't really properly get into it until like the, the second half. The first half felt a bit like cheap kind of TV movie. Um, but once it finds its feet it does start sinking in. And as you said, it sinks in like for the days after you finish watching it as well. And yeah, I was really intrigued by it, Um, especially in its like look at nature. Like it starts off with, I think he's painting mountains and then so the nature is present from the very start, but obviously then it becomes more real. And yeah, it was really, really interesting. I, I am keen to see more of his work now for sure. And maybe read the book. As you said, I think it'd be good to learn more about these characters and find out maybe... I don't know if the book does have more about them in it, but I'm thinking it might do. And you find out more about Lucille and Sylvie and Rufy. Yeah, absolutely. Um, it's interesting. Obviously, it's, it's a, obviously a largely female cast, and it's really interesting to kind of see Bill Forsyth's work on screen with a more female uh, cast because most of his films centre on male protagonists, male characters, um, particularly as his work progresses, is a man who's searching for meaning is often something that comes up in his films. Um, in this film, that isn't the case. And actually, the, the main character, the main woman on screen, isn't necessarily searching for meaning. She's very secure, I think, in herself. She's very confident in herself and the way that she she's playing out her life. And I think that's really refreshing to see someone who isn't um, torn. You know, she, she's not... 
she she's incredibly confident in who she is and she just wants to you know she's actually not bothered what other people think about her either you know she's not wanting to find acceptance she accepts herself so therefore you know for her that's fine and she just will continue through life in that way and that's quite a different kind of central character i think um so yeah i i i i really enjoyed this film and I, I read um there aren't many reviews of it there's, like like you say there's not much written about it because it kind of largely went under the radar but someone described it as a masterpiece of melancholy and mood and i think for me that's right the melancholy feeling kind of comes from it there's a real feeling of mood and tone to it um and i think if you embrace that and just kind of go with it i think it's a really enjoyable film to watch yeah, I totally agree. And it's interesting because obviously I haven't seen any of his other work, what you said about how a lot of his films are about a man searching for meaning because, as you said, it's totally opposite here. Like, Sylvie is self-assured. She knows who she is. And it is refreshing. Like, refreshing not just, I suppose, what you were saying in terms of his work, but, like, just refreshing in general because so many films are about searching for a purpose, searching for a meaning, searching for who you are. But in this one, it's all about embracing like who you are from the very start like I think you could say that Ruthie and Lucille are kind of searching for who they are but again I think that is kind of set out from the beginning that they do know who they are it's just about finding that path in life to follow that way I think it's interesting that I I heard somewhere that it was Bill Forsyth's favourite of his films um, that he's made so far which I think is really interesting you can see I think a, a love and a joy from from making this film kind of come out on, on, on the screen I think that it's definitely transferred into the way he's he's made this film and it's such a shame that more people haven't discovered it it's out on uh, Blu-ray for the first time in January so I'm kind of hoping you know more people might discover it and kind of you know discover the, the film but also the central performance by um, Christine Larty uh, yeah, I kind of just, I want to tell people about it. I mean, obviously I'm doing this podcast, I'm hoping people will find out um, and listen. But I kind of want to be saying, oh, you really need, you know, you should watch this film, it's really interesting, it's it's an, an interesting film. It's a, it's not everybody's cup of tea necessarily, you know, it, as we've kind of discussed, there's elements of it that um, are quite slow and, you know, there's a, a stillness to it and it just kind of plays out quite slowly, but... I really, I, I personally really, really liked it. And I don't know whether I'm a little bit biased because I really like his work and I wanted to like this and I wanted to enjoy it. But I think I genuinely did. And I've always been a massive fan of particular films of his, but actually I think this one is, is really growing on me and it could, you know, kind of be right up there with, with, with my favourites of, of his work. Yeah, I said like, after I finished the credits, I was like, mm, that was okay. But now I'm like, really, really, actually, I really enjoyed it. And it is just one you just like, you will find yourself thinking about and thinking, oh, yeah, I didn't pick up on that. I mean, I didn't pick up on that and sort of thinking through the themes and the ideas later on. I think I'd say to people, like, don't um, like read too much into it, I don't think, before you start watching it. If you can, obviously listen to the podcast. But um and just sort of let it sink the best way of watching it, you know, have a hot chocolate or coffee, watch it like a lazy sort of Sunday afternoon and just let it sink in. I think that's a perfect way to, to view it. Yeah, absolutely. I think um, obviously my, my question normally would be, you know, if, if you were going to recommend a Bill Forsyth film to, to someone who was, who was just starting out with his, his work, would you recommend this one? Um, I think obviously it's the only one that you've seen from him, but it sounds like it might have inspired you to, to seek out others. And I would certainly recommend Local Hero um, as, a, as a, a different kind of 
kind of big scope film um you know it's, it's quite a different um, experience i think to this one but it equally is valuable to kind of to seek out so hopefully it, it will inspire you to, to maybe um, look at his other work Oh, it has for sure. I really enjoyed this one. So, and I think, yeah, so I want to sort of watch the Scottish ones now, especially as a Scot myself. I think, um, and I'm from Aberdeen, which is, I think is where, like, partly where Local Heroes, I know Local Heroes sent a fictionalized town, but I think it's partly inspired by that area. Correct me if I'm wrong, but that's what I've been told by my dad. <laughs> uh, yeah, your dad is is right. Yeah, the, the, the film is set in, in that part of the country. So, yeah, absolutely. Um, yeah, I think that needs to be first on your list. So thank you so much for talking about this film with me and, and for, for watching it, um, you know, for the podcast. I'm, I'm, I'm really pleased that you, you did find value from it and enjoy it. So where can we find more about your work then? You're, you're on Twitter, you're, on, you're in various places, you do your podcast yourself. Um, so where, where can we find you? Uh, so best place is Twitter at Emily V. Murray. I post like the articles I write for various sites on there. But I also run two podcasts, uh, one about Christopher Nolan and one about David Fincher. And of course, Anna, you've been on both of those. Um, Nolan Me, Nolan You and The Fincher Takes It All if you want to check those out. I think, Anna, you were on for Memento for the Nolan one and The Game for Fincher. I was indeed and it was very enjoyable. So yeah, thank you. Thank you so much for... Um having me on your podcasts and, and thank you for coming on to mine i really appreciate it uh, thank you it's obviously been great to chat about housekeeping and thank you for introducing me to bill forsyth you're very very welcome <laughs> thank you mm-hmm.